Welcome, everyone, to the Teaching and Learning Podcast brought to you by University Technology here at Case Western Reserve University. This is our first episode of the show, and for our first season, we're going to be talking about a very special topic, online learning, online education. I'm Davey Barris. I'm a digital video specialist here in UTech, and I'm joined by Heather Bolden, who's an instructional designer in teaching and learning. And Heather has been very hands-on with online learning so far. Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background so far and, you know, why you're so passionate about online learning? Sure. So I've been at the university for about seven years. As an instructional designer, I spend a lot of time with faculty thinking through how to best reach their students and how to engage their students, particularly in an online environment. So I work with them to think through how to make their in-person class more engaging for students in an online environment. I've worked with faculty to flip their classrooms, to work on their intensive weekend classrooms, which involve a lot of in-person time and how can you make that time more engaging for students. I worked on the MOOCs and have been involved with online learning since its inception here at Case. And it's been a lot of fun working with faculty, figuring out how to solve all the different challenges that come with uh, trying something new. As you can tell, there's a lot of different ways an online class can look, can feel, can be done, and it takes a lot of work. You know, that's why something like teaching and learning exists at Case Western Reserve University, right? To help faculty, you know, explore these new modes, these new ways of teaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of different services in our department. Um, online is only one branch of our department, so we do anything where academics and technology intersect. So anything that we can do to help faculty, we're, we're thrilled to do that. All right. And we're going to have a lot of good tips. We're going to have a lot of pointers. We're going to answer some of your questions about online learning because uh, there's a lot to talk about. There is, yes. Let's just start with, you know, kind of what's the university's experience so far with online learning, right? It's been done a couple of different ways so far. We're kind sure. of new to it. Yeah, we are. It's kind of been a testing the waters mentality at this point, almost. Back in about 2012, 13, MOOCs were really popular. So MOOCs are massive open online courses. We have 10 of them at the university. So those are designed to reach a wide audience across the entire world to get education into the hands of people who may not normally have access to that. So that was kind of our first uh, foray into this. And then we have a couple of schools who have fully online master's degree programs. And then we have other pockets of campus that just want to try it out. So we have a few instructors that we've worked with on one-off course builds to test the waters to see what they're interested in, what works for them and their students in their department. All right. That's great. That's great. What are some of the different ways that uh, an online course could look like? There's a lot of different options for online, and that's kind of the beauty of it, is that it can be something that's for credit or not for credit. It can be something that has a live or synchronous component, or it can be something that's self-paced so students have the freedom to complete the activities and assignments whenever it works best for their schedule. Online can have a field component. So for the Mandel School, for example, they have times where they the students are required to go practice in their field and report back to their instructors on how that went. And they're going to hear a lot of different terms from us probably throughout the course of the podcasts and the episodes that we do. You're going to hear things like a hybrid classroom, a flip classroom. Sometimes these things can be intensive weekends, full semesters. You could do a condensed semester where you get everything done in a couple of weeks. Uh, you could just use online learning for workshops or for guest lecturers. 
So there's a lot of different ways. Let's start with the difference between hybrid and a full online course. You know, what would you say the differences are between those? Sure. So a fully online course is any course that does not have an in-person component. So the difference between hybrid and online, hybrid has an in-person component where you are physically located in the same room with your class. That may work for classes that are only taught on weekends. It may work for classes that have a lab component or something that's really beneficial for that in-person time together. It's not essential to have that in-person time, and it may work better in some situations to have a fully online course, which is everything is done in a digital environment. So here at the university, we primarily use Canvas, and so that would mean putting all your activities, your assignments, your group work, all of that is contained within Canvas and that learning management system, and all of your interactions are done with students in a, a, di a digital manner. Now, even with a fully online course, you're still getting FaceTime with your students, right? You're stu you still have the opportunity to have you know, group time or one-on-one -on -one time or you know, the full class an actual connection with them beyond them just watching your videos. Yeah, absolutely, if you set it up that way. So a big misconception is that you can't have that engagement with students and that you don't feel that connection to them that you would in an in-person environment. And that's simply not true. So if you set it up in a way that facilitates that or encourages that, it can definitely be done, but it has to be more intentional. So you're not going to have a student come up to you after class as you would in an in-person environment but you can still set up your course in a way that encourages those interactions. Right. And we've seen some of those interactions right here from our studio. We've done live sessions before where professors have connected with students all over the world from our TV studio here at Case Western Reserve University. So yeah, we've seen absolutely. it happen. Whether it's a hybrid or an online course, you know, the timing of everything is really set by the professor, right? Whether they want it to be a synchronous course, an asynchronous course, you know, that's kind of you know, we could build that into their schedule and their the rest of their teaching load. Yeah, absolutely. And it's up to what the, the school, the department, and the instructor feels comfortable with and values. A course can have synchronous components, which means that even though your students may be at a distance, you meet with them at a set time via something like Zoom. So you're video conferencing with them. And there's ways to make that more engaging by having them turn on their microphones or their cameras so you can see everyone in the room. You can do um, group work in there. So one of the things that a lot of people don't know about is with Zoom, you can do breakout rooms. So it's much like you would in a class, send your students off to different groups. You can do that in Zoom as well. So you send them off to their own little virtual rooms. They do their group work, their discussions, and then you can bring them back to wrap up as a full class. The technology we have today it's pretty incredible to allow us to connect like this. I've seen Zoom in action, and you can, besides the breakout rooms, you can also easily share your screen. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have it set so you can see whoever's speaking, or you could see the whole class at once. You can pull up a whole grid so you can see everybody at once, which would especially be helpful as the teacher. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great way for that interaction and that presence to be known. So there, I'm, as a student, I've taken classes where I've never seen or heard from an instructor in an online environment, and that's frustrating. But faculty can do a lot to change that, and they can do a lot to show their presence and to show that they are involved in the course and that they care about their students, and that's definitely one way. So what's been the feedback we've been getting so far? Do people seem to like hybrid courses where Yes, I'm watching videos, but then I also maybe maybe I fly to Cleveland or I drive down to Case Western Reserve University and do something on it like a full day Saturday. Or are people really enjoying online courses? 
So it's a mix completely. There's not one right answer. It's uh, it's what's best for the students. So the first thing that we do in any online course build or project or program, we ask what the students are like. There are disciplines in which that format works better. Perhaps if one of the focuses of the program is on networking, then it may be more important to have a hybrid environment so that students can meet each other in person and form those connections. If it's something more along the lines of a continuing education course, then it's not as important to network and it's more important to get the credit and to gain the knowledge and get the certificate. Case is kind of known for some of the hard sciences, right? Sure. You know, medicine, engineering, some of that hard math. Mm -hmm. Have we seen any of that taught in an online environment? Um, We have seen a little bit of it. Yes, we have engineering programs online and... Again, it can be, it's just the way that you design the course, and it's what you use to facilitate those interactions. One of the interesting things that I've heard of from faculty is that they feel more connected to their students because of the way that technology enables them to connect individually with students. So, for example, if you ask a question in an in-person class and you ask students to respond to it, then you have one person raises their hand and answers the question. You don't actually have a good understanding of whether all the students are understanding the material or not. They can smile, they can nod their head, they can pick you up. Yeah, we've all been there. (laughs) Absolutely. But in an online environment, if you do something like that, and we call them knowledge checks, you give them a little quiz after a video to say, you know, to test them on their knowledge. And it doesn't have to be something that's for credit, but just a a little check-in and everyone has to answer that, then you have a good understanding of where the class as a whole stands. And then that allows you as the instructor to better reach out to individual students and help them. That's great. So, I mean, yes, some of this technology is a benefit for the students, but there's plenty of it that's benefits for the instructor, too. Absolutely. All right. A big question that, you know, we've been hearing and that a lot of you might be thinking about is how do I keep those students engaged, right? If I don't have them in the classroom, if I can't, you know slap their knuckles if they're falling asleep. Do they still do that anymore? I don't think they do that anymore. I hope not. How do I keep the students engaged if I can't, you know, make eye contact with them, if they can't see me talking? You know, what, what have we been learning about that? Sure. So one way you can have that eye contact, again, is that Zoom and that uh, the live sessions. If that doesn't work well for your students, which it doesn't because your typical student may be a full-time working professional, they may not have time during the day to sign into a session and talk to you about the, the course. And that's part of the appeal of online learning and that you can attend flexibly and make it work with your schedule, with your work-life balance. One of the things we recommend in that case then would be to hold office hours via Zoom so that you can still connect with those students, but it can be on a more flexible timeline. Then other things that you can do is still encourage group work and group activities. Just because you're separated by distance or by a computer screen doesn't mean those things can't occur. And actually, it's sometimes more beneficial for students because they have the time to process. So it may be more beneficial for international students or students with um, processing disabilities so that they can have the time to appropriately respond to the prompt in a way that they feel comfortable. It helps them to maybe go look up some terms that they they aren't familiar with. We've talked about Zoom, uh, but what are some other ways that the students are going to be seeing and learning from the professor in an online environment? Are they just going to be reading chapters in a textbook and taking a test? Are they going to be watching videos the whole time and not reading? How are they going to see problems being done? You know, what are the different kind of visuals that our students are going to get through all this technology? 
So some of it can be text-based, definitely. Recorded videos are a great option to show that presence and to hear from the instructor. With recorded videos, you could also work through your problems. So one of the, one neat example that I heard about was where faculty gave students a homework problem to solve in a math class. And then the students had to record themselves using a screen recording tool, working through the, the problem. Then they'd post that on a discussion board and watch each other's and kind of correct as they found mistakes on each other's. And it became this fun little competition for students or a creative outlet where they could put music to it or they could like... When they knew that they solved the problem wrong, they could put some little graphics on there. It gives them some freedom to solve the problems or to do the assignments in a more creative way, if that's what they're comfortable with. That's one of the things that we do recommend is that you allow students to respond to assignments in different ways. So one of the other ways you could do is like the discussion boards in Canvas allow you to respond with images or with video or with just audio. So you could have students respond in that way if it's something that's comfortable for them. What if you're a professor that really loves your chalkboard or your whiteboard? You know, are you going to be are you going to be limited by this online style is that tool going to be taken away from you not necessarily it's something that you have to be careful with so for example if you were just to record a video of you standing at a chalkboard or a whiteboard there might be some strange glare or students may not be able to see what's on screen so it may not be ideal but there are ways around that and that's one of the nice things about the the pre-recorded nature of it and the, the technology behind it so that you can do things like use a light board or you could use an iPad and a pen to solve your problems. And your students are still seeing the same thing, but they're actually seeing something that's enhanced and more focused than they would get in a classroom. Does Zoom have a whiteboard app built it, into it? It does have a whiteboard feature. It's um, There are some nuances to it. All right. But it a is learning there. curve to it. Yes, All absolutely. Right. Yeah, the Lightboard has been a really fun tool that we've gotten to use in the Media Vision Studio where you are basically standing behind a big piece of glass and you can write out as complicated of a math formula as you want. Uh, we've seen professors just you know write out an example of how technology has changed over the years. And you're standing behind this piece of glass and then we just flip it in editing. We use the, you know our movie magic here at Media Vision and your students see you writing. It is, you, it is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, what do you recommend from a recording media specialist perspective for faculty to focus on when they're using a tool like that? So what's good is to be very intentional and know what you want to write on the board before you come in. So kind of have a blueprint, have a plan. Because uh, you don't have multiple boards that you can like pull over, you know, it's not very easy to erase and, you know, start over. So knowing exactly what you want the board to look like and what you want your students to know is really important before you come to the studio. Okay. And I think that's a good lesson for most of this online learning. The more you kind of plan out and think out and know what you want it to look like, the more we can help you, the more we can make a nice package for the students to be able to see and view and learn from. Yeah, absolutely. All of online is needs to be more intentionally thought through than a face-to-face -face course because you can't wing it. You are doing this, hopefully, ideally in our world, um, before the class is taught and so that it's all done by the time you're ready to teach the course. And at that point, all you have to focus on is how to engage your students. All the materials are 
curated or created and put into the learning management system. So all you have to do is engage. Well, that's great. So that does it for our first episode for the Teaching and Learning podcast and our special topic this season, online learning. Now, we definitely want people to reach out to us and connect with us to talk about this and talk about the different options that are available and how we can help. So what are some of the great ways that people can get in touch with us? Yeah, absolutely. We we would love to hear from everyone who's interested in learning more about online, anyone who has uh, maybe negative feelings towards online and wants to uh, be swayed. We're happy to do that as well. One good resource is to check out our website at case.edu slash online learning. Currently, it has some information about what online programs exist at the university. Um, by the end of the summer, we're going to have a lot of DIY resources up there and some helpful tools to help faculty start thinking about online. We have a uh, ICAM plan for online course quality, which helps you think through all the different facets of how to create a quality online course. And then if you'd like to set up a consultation with someone in our department, which probably will be me, you can email online learning at case.edu and just let them know that you heard this podcast and you're interested in talking about online. That's great. And both of those resources, you should be able to see them in the description of this podcast in whatever app you're listening to us on. So uh, you got that information there. All right, Heather, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with more special topics from teaching and learning and more information about online learning in our next episode. Mm-hmm.